we're going to turn to the book of Luke. That has nothing to do with my name being Lucas. But, uh, we could turn to the book of Luke, chapter 19. Verse 5. And it says... When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Lord Jesus, speak to us today, God. Speak into our hearts and lives and change us, Lord. Let your anointed word go out, God. Let it let it speak, Lord. Let it do its intended work. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, today is our Community Sunday, and if this is your first time here, normally we have first word, and then we have worship, and, um, and so today we are launching off with what would normally look like the second half of our church service, worship and, and word. But afterwards, if you would, we'd invite you to join us downstairs, and we're going to have a cookout, and there's a lot of food that's prepared, and we'd invite you to join us. But before that, we're going to hear a word from the Lord, and I will invite you to just reach out and connect with God, and you can do that from your seat, or I'll invite people to come up front here. If you're not familiar with it, we sometimes refer to the front here as the altar, but it's just a place where we like to come as we take a step towards God, and and commit toward our lives to him. Bishop, First Lady, I know you're driving back as fast as you can because you desperately miss us. <laughs> that has nothing to do with being on the beach, enjoying the sunshine. But uh, no, we're, we're, we're looking forward to you returning, and happy anniversary. And uh, Well, the book of Luke here, we see the story of Zacchaeus. And today's title, I guess I want to title it, Sunday Best, Sunday Best. And Jeremy adequately pointed out that on casual Sunday, I come to you to talk to you about your Sunday best, your Sunday best. And, and here, um, my kids this last week, maybe it was this last week, maybe it was the, they graduated, and uh, they graduated from fifth grade. And they sang a song about their Sunday best. And I will not try to sing that song today. But I did look up the lyrics, and as I sat there and I listened to them sing, and then I looked it up later on, and it's talking about it being a great day and feeling the sunshine in your face. And, and maybe some of you know the song. I really actually don't. Um, there we go. Sunday best right over here. And, and so maybe you wondered, what does it mean, Sunday best? And my mind always goes back to, I used to like to read westerns and like 1800 stories and, and like stories about farms and all that and, and youth farms, right? Everybody thought boring right away. Um, but, uh, you know, you'd, you'd see like a kid growing up and they, these stories would take place out there and, and they would take a bath once a week, whether they needed it or not. So I hope some of you have adopted that practice. Um, it's a good thing. Uh, but they would take a bath whether they needed it to or not. And, and uh, my parents made me do it like every day. Uh, and we adopted the same practice with our children. It's a good practice. Um, and so you would take that bath on Saturday night 
because Sunday you were going to get with the family and ride into town to go to church. And when you went to church, you did not wear the clothes that you wore all week playing outside children. You put on what was called your Sunday best. It was nicer clothes that didn't go out into the barn or into the dirt. And, and, and they were set aside for those purposes. I one time, I think I was at a funeral or something, had on my Sunday best and chose to play football in the asphalt parking lot. Boys, you never knew I got in trouble. But I did that day because I slid for the football or something or got knocked down and I took my nice blue pants and turned them black with asphalt as I slid across the pavement. And my dad was like, "That's he's looking at my clothes. Why? They are my Sunday best and you can't just buy those. So the, the idea of Sunday best is when you say, you know what, what I'm doing today is, is a, I don't want to just say it's important. It's something that's, that's set apart and and you want to put on extra nice clothes for it. And you make sure that you style your hair as best as you can. And the, the, the king of England was just, uh, what he was, just received his crowning. And, and I forget what they call the whole ceremonies there. But when they had that, there were certain guests that were invited. And those guests picked out particular clothes for the affair. They were wanting to make sure that, that they fit the occasion. Because they were going to the king's crowning. They wanted to look their best. The children of Israel, their lives were centered around the church. And the tabernacle originally was located in the middle of their, their group. And so they would have their encampments. And they, they were in the desert. And so they were a, a, a people who lived in tents. And the, the Lord lived in a tent, the tabernacle, in the middle of their encampment. You might know the story of how that Moses went up on the mountain and he got the, the Ten Commandments. And, and then when he came down, he discovered they were worshiping some golden calves. And they had started to worship false gods and, and an idol that they had made. And, and he threw down the Ten Commandments and broke them. He's the only one to break all Ten Commandments at once. Pretty difficult thing to do. Um, but he came down and out of that occasion of their sin, the tabernacle was taken out of the middle of the encampment and put outside the camp. And Moses, he would go out and visit it. And you'd see it in Exodus chapter 33, verse 7 and 8. It says, and Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp. And called it the tabernacle of congregation, and it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of congregation, which was without the camp. And so when it was time to worship God, and it was time to offer up sacrifice, they would take a journey outside the camp. So here's where I live at, and here's where I go to meet God. It's, it's a little bit like us, you might say. Um, I want to be careful with that. But, but when you put on your Sunday best, you take a journey to go see God. This is a special occasion. And, and I think that that tabernacle, being outside the camp, would have emphasized that idea. That when I want to go meet God, I go out to the tabernacle. 
You put on your Sunday best to go offer up sacrifice. You might say that you took the bath the night before and you got your house in order and you cleaned things up and, and maybe in your world you, you've looked at some stuff on the internet or you've been uh, um, living some ways at work or at home and, or maybe on your, your phone and you're like, um, you know what, I, I think I need to clean that up a little bit. I think I need to change some stuff up. And, and, and so Saturday night you go ahead and get yourself a little bit of a spiritual bath too. You clean up your life. You get things in order. Why? We're going to the house of the Lord. I have some friends and from some different, or have had some friends from different backgrounds and different religions, and, and they would have a day in the week where they were going to, to uh, go to church, so to speak, or go to worship in their religion. And the night before, they would actually do a lot of things you shouldn't do. Because they were like, it's going to be all a fresh start tomorrow, so let's live life how we want. Do not do that, by the way. Nobody take that as Pastor Lucas saying, do that. go ahead and do that. No, we can't. But then they're like, tomorrow we're going to get it all in order. We're putting on our Sunday best. Something interesting about when you go out to offer sacrifice, and I just want to drop this out there for you. A lot of times, in my mind anyways, when I think about sacrifice, Jeremy, I think about something that is really difficult to do. And so today, if I said, let's take up a sacrificial offering, you would take that right away to mean, I'm going to dig deep, and I'm going to give more than I normally give. And we've preached that around here, uh, about this idea of sacrifice that I'm going into. But, but when we do that in our culture... If I say, I need you to commit to some sacrifice. If I had you on the football team and I'd say, guys, you're going to have to go ahead and sacrifice some time. You need to put in extra effort because we're going to win this game. And you'd put everything you had towards it. And then when the season ended, you'd say, I get a break. Some of you kids just got out of school. And you feel like you sacrificed the last two semesters. And now it's time to get on social media and play video games, right? Yeah, and your parents are like, wrong, <laughs> wrong. Why? You feel like you gave an extra effort and you stepped out and you sacrificed something. I've been working in Puerto Rico and we put in a lot of hours and people would say, now go home and get refreshed. And, and, and you sacrificed a lot to do this. But that is not a lot of biblical sacrifice. When you go in the Old Testament and you see that they had to offer up a lamb for their sin, there was nothing else to offer up. That lamb had to be sacrificed. It was a life that was being given so that that person could live. That they could have connection with God. And, and I was talking to uh, someone about this one day and they said it was very prescriptive. And so sometimes you look at Jesus on the cross and you say, He gave all, and He did. And you're like, He gave His life for me, and He did. But that is because there was no other way. And He said, you know, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. What you have to understand is that there's things that God requires. And you can't think of it as, I went out of my way to give that to God. That's an offering. 
That's something that you said, okay, you know what, I want to do this extra here or there. But living a life that's holy and pure and giving up sin, that's not going out of your way. That's just being delivered and set free. Oh, go ahead, give a hand clap to the Lord. Hallelujah. You see, people would tell you, wow, you gave up an awful lot. You don't party on Saturday night or Friday night, you're like, I don't have a hangover the next morning. I have a little extra cash in my pocketbook. You mean you don't just kind of live whatever way you want to live? You say, I have a healthy marriage, and I have children, and we, we, we come together, and I have a family, and I have a home. You mean you don't do all those things that make us feel good? You're like, I have my health in my body. And I found joy that I, I, I can't explain to you. But I have somebody that I can go to. His name is Jesus. And the something's happened on the inside. You mean you don't just dress and wear whatever you want to? And you're like, you know what? There's something about being pure and holy. I, I discovered that I felt a dirtiness. And now I don't have that anymore. You mean you don't talk about Charlie the way the rest of us do? You know what? I suddenly feel a love towards Charlie. Or, or, or God's changed up my thinking about people. And I've matured. And I don't want to go back. That's not sacrifice. That's just living right. Because He sacrificed. And it's finding a better lifestyle. And some of you can't get out of the old lifestyle. And you've held on to it. And you wonder why you're miserable. It's a fight and a struggle. And some of you, when I said you hold on to it, it's like, I really am trying not to. I want to get over it. I am telling you, I have been in your shoes where I had to go to God and say, God, I am desperate to be delivered. And when I got self out of the way in that wrestling and fighting and prayer, God stepped in and He pulled me out of my spot. I will also ask some of you, God delivered you and set you free and you preach deliverance to others, but you yourself go back and enjoy the trash that others are seeking to be delivered from. And I think that that might hit on all of us at one point or another. Why do you eat in the trash heap while you bring deliverance to other people? There's some shallowness to that. When you would go to someone else and know that God can set you free, but I've gone back to the thing that you need delivered from. It doesn't satisfy your friend and it won't ultimately satisfy you. So let's get out of it today and let's start living right and let's start acting right. I don't want to make it sound all too simple about sin, but you know for most situations, just stop. You're like, but, 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 you know what? you got to step up at least and say, you know what, I'm just going to stop. Yeah, I understand that there's some addictions and there's sometimes we have to go through some, some counseling phases and that God has chosen to let us go through that. And sometimes we just need Him to reach in. But you know, you really didn't need to watch that TV show. That one that bothered you the next day, you didn't need to. You could have watched something else. That person you told off, you know what? You really don't have to make that your way of living. You don't just need to yell at everybody and feel like you own the world. If you do, please share some with the rest of us. We have bills to pay. You know, 
You can just stop. You can start trying to think good about other people. You can. You might have told that to your children. You know, hey, the first thing you think about them, could it be a nice thought instead of, you're taking my stuff, right? We don't have to come to blows every time. Do I have any kids out there that uh, you don't have to say anything? That's okay. I know. It's hard. It's hard. But we have this thing, and we have this tabernacle, and it's outside the camp. And so when it's time to go and sacrifice, you would put on, you might say, your Sunday best. In the Old Testament, Friday night at 6 o'clock to Saturday night at 6 o'clock, roughly sundown to sunup, that was the Sabbath day. For us, we think of that in terms of Sunday. But the Sabbath day, they weren't to work. Everything was set aside. You didn't, you didn't cook when they were in the wilderness. They had manna come from heaven. Everything was taken care of, and it was a day of rest. And that helps. We need a day of rest. We do. You need to physically rest. And you need a spiritual rest. And that's why we come together here at church, is to get together with each other and connect with God. But there's an idea created that somehow you need to get yourself in order to get to God. And yet you're going out there to offer sacrifice, and then one day a year there's a special sacrifice given, and there's also a scapegoat that's sent outside the camp. And, and, and that animal was then taking that sacrifice, and that carcass was burned outside the camp. And, and, and somebody went in, a high priest went into the Holy of Holies and put blood on, the, on, the, um, on the, the Ark of the Covenant. Why? To take care of your sins for the whole encampment for another year. And so you, you're going and putting your best on, and, and the Scripture talks about consecrate yourself and all that, but it feels like you're getting yourself together to go out to meet God. And there's one inherent problem with that. You really can't clean yourself up. That's why we have sacrifice going on. That's why it's not an extra thing given. It's what I need to live. And high priest, I need you to offer it. And you know what? Before you could ever get into the Holy of Holies under that model, you, you had to first come to an altar of sacrifice. And it wasn't again that you gave extra, but it's where something died so that you could live. And, and, first, and we see that in the form of repentance. When you say, I'm sorry. And you begin to pour out. And you say, but I need you, God. Forgive me. And God, I want to change. But I can't go back to where I'm living unless you do the work. And from there, you went into the holy place. And then you had the holy of holies that the high priest went into. So. But we have this idea in our head that we've got to get together to get to God. You know the next idea we get in our head? Is that, you know what, I am done sinning. Brooklyn, I'm done sinning. You know that, that good thing? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm done sinning. And so I'm going to come to God. How many of you came to God one day? You made up your mind, I am done. And some of you, 
You know, I didn't see very many hands go up, actually, when I asked that. All right. <laughs> Good thing I'm preaching to you today. I'm going to have an altar call here in a little bit. Um, and uh, uh, so... You came to God. And other times, you've been filled with His Spirit. You've been baptized in Jesus' name. You've been walking in this, but you chose to do other things. And then one day, you said, you know what? I don't like what I've turned into, and I'm coming back to God. Has anybody ever had a come back to God moment? You put on your Sunday best, and you went to come back to God. I know that's what it feels like. I know that's what it looks like. I know that seems to be a great description. But the reality is this. God came to you. You could never come to God. Oh, you can't get up into heaven. Heaven had to come down to you. You lived in your pit and in your mess. And you couldn't come out of that. And you say, well, what about the story of the prodigal son? Didn't he get tired of being in the pig pen? And then he came back to God? Oh, there's something that happened. Yeah, he started to be sorry. And he started to repent. And, and, and you know, I don't even know, actually. I've got to draw that back a little bit. I don't even know how sorry he was. He was sorry he was in that condition and he didn't want to live there anymore. But we don't even see that he was sorry for, oh, I turned my back on dad. He just said, my, the servants have it better. And as he began to take a walk, you discover that father was waiting. And the next thing you see is that the father said, wait, my son that left me, here he comes. And between the father and the son was a whole village. And that village would have encountered that boy and said, look what you did to your dad. You don't deserve him. You don't belong in that house. And they would have passed judgment on him so that the father didn't have to. Oh, but the father, you know what he did? He picked up his robes and he did something that it would bring shame on himself. He brought those robes up, he exposed those legs, and he began to run. And he outran that village. And he outran all those people. Why, you thought the son came back. But the father said, wait, I now can reach you. And I'm going to go past the accusers. And I'm going to get to you. And I'm going to welcome you in. And they won't be able to say anything. Because I'm going to set you at a table. And I'm going to kill the fatted calf and put my power and authority with you. My robe and... My ring. Oh, so even there, the prodigal that looked to come back had to have the father run in to bring him. And so you thought that you came to God, but God really came to you. So that brings us to this story of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, when we look here in the book of Luke, Maybe you know the song. Did anybody sing it in Sunday school? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And that's all I got in my head other than that Jesus said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. And uh, I can't remember the part in between. <laughs> um, but I'm going to your house today. So Zacchaeus, he was a tax collector. And when the book of, of Luke chapter 19 opens up, we don't see anything here like Zacchaeus was described as a bad dude. Instead, we don't see the fact that people would like to have killed him. We don't see any of that. Instead, what we see is there was a little guy 
And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans, and he was rich. It says nothing about him being a sinner. At least not right there. And he sought to see Jesus who he was, and could not for the press. I like this. The Scripture doesn't start out saying Zacchaeus was a little guy. It says he was a rich guy, and he was chief, and he wanted to see Jesus, but he couldn't because there were people in the way. For he was of little stature. He was, of, he was little of stature. Yeah. So all of a sudden we see him start here, and that's how we like to paint our lives. We're here. I got it together. I, I, I put on my Sunday best. I don't, you know, I got lost in the woods one time, and I spent the night there, and I told you this story. And when I climbed up out of the, the valley the next day, and I'm up on the mountain, I see a guy coming. And you know what I did? I brushed my pants off. I made sure my, my shirt was all nice and straight. I tried to comb my hair. And then I walked down the trail, and I was like, good morning, how are you? As if I hadn't been lost all night. Why? That's our life, right? We, we sometimes think, oh no, I, I didn't do anything. I've got it all together. And we see ourselves and, and we paint this image like Zacchaeus. He's a rich man. He's chief. But he wants to get to Jesus. Because he's a little guy. He, he doesn't have the stature. You know what else is not telling you there when he approached that crowd? There's a lot of people who were angry, but you see it down later when Jesus goes to his house and they were angry about it. You know what they said he was? A sinner. They're like, what are you having business with him? He's a sinner. Jesus is like, why did I come for sinners? And yet Zacchaeus is there and he's pressing. You know what they would have loved to do to him? They would have loved to get him in the crowd and then stick a knife in his back and say, see, you took my money. You cheated my mother out of her stuff. And, and crowds were a danger to a tax collector. But yet we see him. I got to get to Jesus. Huh, where's Jesus? Can I get through here? And he finally goes outside the city or outside the camp because Jesus was passing right through Jericho as if he didn't even need to be there. He came in, healed a guy on the other side, came in and went out. And as he's walking out, Zacchaeus is up in a tree, a sycamore tree, a short stubby tree, something he could climb up into. And Jesus comes along and stops right by his tree. You see, Zacchaeus would have thought that he went to see Jesus. But Jesus entered and passed through Jericho and then stopped by a sycamore tree and looked up. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. What did Zacchaeus do here? What was his part? Do you know what his part was? He took initiative. Zacchaeus couldn't do, he didn't even know what was going to happen with Jesus that day. He just wanted to see him. 
Why? Because someplace in all of Zacchaeus' riches and wealth and lifestyle and everything that he had going on, there was something that said, I'm willing to deal with a crowd. I'm willing to go climb a tree. I, I imagine that was probably humiliating for a rich guy who was already hated by everybody to climb up in the tree to see the dignitary type person who was coming through, the master, the teacher, and, and, and yet I'm going to get there and I'm going to shame myself in whatever way. Oh, this little guy has to have a tree let me get in a tree somebody needs to say let me get in a tree let me do what it takes let me get to see Jesus oh you need to get it in you you need a little level of desperation about you Oh, stop making excuses. Stop explaining away why Jesus won't see you. Stop saying, well, He didn't give me an invitation. Get some initiative. Go ahead. Go find a tree. Climb up in it. Climb up in it. And I think you, know what, you all know what I mean. There's nobody going to be sitting in their tree at home today. But, uh, but you need to go see Jesus. You need to go see Jesus. How bad do you want it? You see, what you will find out is when you really reach out to see Jesus, you will find he has been, you say, well, I'm ready for Jesus now, and you'll discover that he's already been ready for you. He's been waiting. Oh, Jesus made a journey that day, and he would have passed right by. Jeremy, he would have just walked Right by, if Zacchaeus hadn't gone to the tree. He had a path to make. And Zacchaeus needed to finally say, I'm not staying in my house. I'm not staying in my mess. I need to go be where he's at. And Jesus was right where he needed to be. So when Zacchaeus was ready, he could connect. How bad do you want to see Jesus? You know, for some of you, or maybe not inside this church, but in Christendom, Christianity is an option. Having Jesus in your life is a nice thing. Coming to Jesus is something that you have on your bucket list of, I want to do this at some point in life. But for Jesus, it's not a nice thing or something we could possibly do. For Jesus, it is a necessity. For Jesus, it was necessary. Oh, we see this in other passages when He must needs go to Samaria. Oh, Jesus needed to be there that day. And He uses language of make haste and come down for today. He uses languages of right now, today, and make haste. Oh, today is the day of salvation. Oh, he was on his way to a cross. And Zacchaeus, this may be the last moment I get to be here, but I'm right here for you. Forget the crowd behind me. I need you to come down. Today is the day of salvation. It was necessary Oh, so you need to go ahead and it needs to become necessary for you today. Oh, go ahead and say that today. Today. It's important today. 
It's necessary today. Stop playing games. Stop going. Stop pushing off your deliverance another day. Stop embracing your, your sorrow and depression another day. And instead say, i got to get a hold of Jesus. Oh, it's necessary today. It's necessary. It's necessary. You see, Jesus saw him. And he said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at your house. Oh, Joe, you know how strange this is? When we want to have anybody over to our house, we make sure our house is in order. Right? You guys are going to have a cookout or anything, right? You're like, all right, get it cleaned up. And then maybe if I come over, you'll say, yeah, excuse the mess. <laughs> and the kids are like, what mess? We, we, <laughs> we, we cleaned. <laughs> yeah, nobody can relate to that. I heard some laughter, right? Jesus. Jeremy, he didn't... He didn't say, Zacchaeus, go home, get your Sunday best on, and clean up the house. In fact, you know what he did? Oh, hear me. You put on your Sunday best, and you went out to the tabernacle. And you know what he did? He came and said, I need to go to your house. I need to go to where you live at. I've come to be where you live. I want to be where you sleep at, where you wake up at, where you, where you have all your problems. And we need to do it now. And we need to do it today. Oh, can you... Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. We need to do it now. And we need to do it today. Today. And I'm going to be bringing this to a close real soon. But you know, we talked about the tabernacle being outside the camp. It was supposed to be inside the camp. God wanted to live in their midst, not be something that was outside of. He wanted every day to be surrounded by them and them to be around His presence. He wanted to live in their midst, but they chose a different way of living that caused Him to be outside the camp. But there's something else about that model of the tabernacle. Because the Holy of Holies was only reserved for one man on one day of the year. And when their sacrifice with sin was made, that carcass was taken outside the camp and burned. And there was a scapegoat that was released. In the book of Hebrews chapter 13, it's speaking of an altar that those which would serve in that tabernacle have no right to eat at. Why they haven't changed and made that adjustment towards Jesus. It says, for the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Do you know what Jesus was? He was the sacrifice, and he is the holy of holies. He is the literal embodied presence of God. Everything. And yet He suffered outside the camp. Not everybody could go in. Oh, we talked earlier about you had first come to the altar of sacrifice. 
And you'd go through the, then you had the laver, and then you go into the holy place, and then there was the holy of holies. Not everybody could even go through all that, not all the rest of the world. But God put Himself outside of all of that and suffered and died outside the camp that He might sanctify the people with His own blood. And then the writer of Hebrew tells us, Let us go forth therefore unto Him without the camp, bearing His reproach. For we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. And then the writer here says, But by Him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet and if musicians could come. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. You see, Jesus suffered and died outside the camp. And when that happened, the Holy of Holies was written too. But also being outside the camp allowed you first to come to Jesus and the sacrifice before you ever step through any part of the process. Why, Zacchaeus? Because you can't change without Jesus. You can't get your Sunday best together. You can't put your life back in order without Him. You first need Jesus. And Zacchaeus encountered Jesus. And then Jesus said, make haste. I'm coming to your house. And you know what Zacchaeus' response was? And he made haste. He said, okay, I'm going to get there. Oh, I want people to have a desperation in their shoes. Oh, i got to get to Jesus. Oh, you know what? I was overcome the other day. Nobody was around. I grabbed a blanket. I threw it over my head. I began to cry out to God. I was like, God, I just need to tie into You. I need You, Jesus. Somebody needs to make haste. And then you brought it earlier. Our worship. What did He do? He received Him joyfully. What does the writer of Hebrews say? By Him let us offer up the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Instead of saying, oh, I shouldn't go to Jesus. Somebody needs to say, oh, look at the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Oh, look at Him. Oh, I got to see Jesus. I got to see Jesus. Oh, let's lift up our voices. Let's lift up our faces. Jesus, I need You. Jesus, I need You. Jesus, I need You. Oh, somebody, the world sees you as a sinner. They see you for your mess. They see you for your garbage. But Jesus sees you and He loves you and He's coming by your tree. And somebody just needs to be desperate enough to come back to Jesus. Is somebody desperate enough? Hallelujah. Go ahead. Lift your voices. Lift your face. If every eye could be closed. Jesus came to see you. He came to meet you. Somebody needs to remember their first love. Somebody needs to remember that He's worth dying for. He's worth suffering for.
He's worth overcoming for because He overcame for you. And He wants to go to your house. Go ahead, this altar's open. Oh, I let you know earlier, you could come to this front. But is somebody out there willing to let Him come to your house today? Make haste. He wants to come to your house. Receive Him joyfully. Give Him worship. Give Him love. Give Him praise. Go ahead. If if not for yourself, come pray with somebody else. I need you, Jesus. It doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. Oh, it may have been a while since you've been here. It might have been a while since you cried. Since you reached out. But you're here today. Because Jesus came for you. Some of you, He's been coming by your tree for a long time. Oh, but He wants to see you. He wants to meet you. He loves you. And ultimately, you didn't come to God. He came to you. You didn't clean yourself up to receive Him. He washed you so He could live in you. If you want that today, and if you want to come back to Him today, go ahead and reach out and pray. Thank you, Jesus.